Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Fine, thank you. As we wind down 2015, I have an idea. What's that? I think that we should thank a few people before we get into this episode with Shay Serrano, the former Grantland writer and New York Times bestselling author. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. All right. Who do you want to thank? I want to thank you. <laughs> All right. You're welcome. Yeah. Who else do you want to thank? Uh, Greg Mayo, who does our uh, theme music. Okay. And also is our best friend, and yes. it is also his birthday. Well, happy birthday to him. Um, I also want to thank um, whoever didn't give me a drink before I started doing this, because my voice is sort of raspy, but whatever. All right. Well, it shouts to them. Yeah. Let's also thank Johan Chiriboga, who uh, is nice enough to come through and film so many of these episodes. You can check those out at youtube.com slash it's the real. We should probably thank um, all of our sponsors. Yeah, every single one of them. All of them, you know, go to, listen to the episodes and take advantage of those offers that are at the top of every episode. We should probably thank our agents at William Morris Endeavor. There's about 30 of them. There's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to Ben Davis who made this happen. And thanks to the Sideshow Network for uh, making a waste of time with It's the Real Reality. Yeah, thanks for wasting time with us. And with that... Let's get to Shay. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Gatorade Commercial, a.k.a. Thirst Trap. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Donkey Kong Level 2, a.k.a. Double Barrel. <laughs> I'm Shay. Hey, and this is a waste of time with this is the real. Welcome to New York. <laughs> Thanks. Is that what that's what y'all do in New York? Yeah, Stri- strictly that. <laughs> um, how's it going? It's all right. Well, I I'd say 2015's been like better than just all right, it's right? Been a good year, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> been pretty, pretty good. Yeah, you you put out your book, put out a book, and it sold a bunch of copies. Yep. And then uh, I think that's the main thing. Did you have any idea that it would do the numbers it did? No, nobody did. That's why we ran out of copies. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the publisher. They were surprised. It was supposed to just disappear well so uh i went to uh the panel that you had up here um for the release of your book which right, jeff was on works, yes um, it was me it was um john carimanica wesley mm-hmm. morris megan else? garvey, megan garvey yeah. uh joe zen um uh, anybody else no that was it and 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 the, it was moderated by your editor samantha yeah and um on that panel you said that initially when they came to you with the idea you were like hmm not really, not really yeah, interested. Yeah, I don't yeah. Want to do it at all? It sounded like a. I mean, who wants to read a book about important rap songs? Like, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I mean, a lot of people apparently. <laughs> well, yeah, I think because has pictures in it is a is a big thing. Right. Um. But yeah, when they told me about it, and I was picturing it in my head it was just like a regular, like a textbook with no anything else in there, just black and white. I was like, Ugh, Africa Bombada, no thank you. <laughs> like, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And then yeah, it just took off out of there. So that that was your first trip to New York. Mm-hmm. And um, you got lost. I think um, no. You know what? We didn't get lost because they had cars taking us everywhere. Gotcha. If we tried to walk, then we got lost. <laughs> like I talked to you with your wife, and she said that like I think you guys were afraid to take the subway or had taken the subway and just got. got I don't want to like, take the subway. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go underground. <laughs> right. We don't do that in Texas. You know, under, <laughs> under the ground in Texas. I'm not interested in that. When you came up to New York that time, uh, obviously, like you went in there early. You were in Housing Works, like to set up and get ready and everything did you see the line outside at all yeah when we pulled up that's what was uh the crazy part because i got a text from the editor and she said hey, there's a line out here already and i was like yeah like i thought she was dicking with me <laughs> and then we we pull up in the car and we're, we get out and it's all the way around the block and the people are like clapping and cheering 
and my wife was with me and she starts crying <laughs> like, what is going on it was right it was amazing yeah it was really cool it was a it was a great experience there was no line for me this time when i got to oh i was disappointed yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah. well so, maybe it's next like time you never landed in new york this time <laughs> <laughs> um all right let's take it back to the to the very beginning where are you originally from I'm from San Antonio. I live in Houston now. I'm from San Antonio. Right, but born and raised in San Antonio. Right, right, right. What was there to do growing up in San Antonio? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> just we just played no Twitter. Basketball. No, yeah. <laughs> there's no internet. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. You just played basketball and then you like got in fights at on the basketball court. All right. <laughs> that was all. What was the earliest age you went to the Alamo? Ah, they take you in like all all your field trips. Yeah, all your field trips. <laughs> yeah. Every field trip is to the Alamo in San Antonio. <laughs> so probably like first grade or some bullshit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what about the Alamo Dome? Exciting. It's never exciting. <laughs> the Alamo Dome is exciting. I yeah. think maybe like the mid nineties is when we started going there. Our brother Dan, uh, who now works for the for the for the Garden, um, used to work for the Yankees, and before that, worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he was with the Cavs when they came down to San Antonio um, for the finals. And he went to the Alamo, went to the Riverwalk, and then went to his hotel. And he's yeah. like, "That's that's about it. Yeah, that's, that's a checklist. <laughs> that's what you do." <laughs> You're from a family of how how how, how many kids? I have three sisters, all younger sisters. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, like a bunch of cousins and aunts. And we all lived in the same area, the same part of town. So there were... It was like the Godfather. Was, but you guys, yeah, you guys all like owned one, one, <laughs> one block. Yeah, we were... The complex. The, it was like three blocks and we were all there, which is really cool. And sometimes it was less cool. Like when I was finishing up high school, there was like 13 or 14 of us in the house. Mm-hmm. The uncles would show up. Okay. Because they got to live there and then they bring their kids or whatever yeah um but yeah it was like a bunch of people around all the time and would you guys like if you were going to travel where are you going like around texas would you go to houston would you go to dallas we went on austin we went on one trip to houston i remember we went i don't know why we went but Mm -hmm. we went to the to astroworld but we didn't travel too too much like Mm -hmm. we would go camping Mm -hmm. i guess which is just right outside san antonio there's a lake there but we didn't we didn't do a lot of traveling we have never gone camping well, yeah, but Jews don't camp. Jews don't camp. Like, we went to Bonnaroo, and they gave us an RV, because we were just like, yeah, like, no, like, yeah. we're not going to sit in a tent with, That's like... terrible, man. No, no. We, we just don't have those skills. Oh. So we're not built like that. Like, okay. yeah, our hands are very soft. <laughs> <laughs> we can walk around the city. That's fine. But just, like, camping out. So, like, you're... You're growing up learning about like bears and snakes and like anything else that's like out there that can attack you. Well, definitely snakes. There aren't really bears in no, Texas. No bears. All right, yeah. I don't, I don't Eric, know. I don't camp. Eric doesn't, you know, watch <laughs> nature documentaries on Netflix like I do. <laughs> no, nah, you. Don't, I mean, we weren't like a wilderness family. We would just go out there and then like hang out. You just start a fire and then you're. Dead. But you built a tent or something, right? We had t- we had tents. Yeah. Okay, there were tents, but they just sort of pop open. You put some poles in them. It ain't a hard thing. I, <laughs> but also, I mean, like, I wouldn't be afraid of, like, wildlife because there's about 45 of you yeah, going were, to the... There yeah, there were a bunch of us. <laughs> we were a, a gang. You know what we used to do, though? I remember when we got... I was, like, in middle school the first time they did this. We were hanging out. We were camping. And my uncles were with us. And they asked if we wanted to go snipe hunting. And I was like, what the fuck is a snipe? Like, I never heard of a snipe. Yeah. They said, well, it's like a... It's kind of like a weasel raccoon type thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this... This already sounds terrible. You can't even describe what this animal is. But they said, we're going to go catch them. They're really easy to catch. What you got to do is you just go in the woods, 
and it's dark out there and you start making a bunch of noise and they get scared and they run out and then you grab them mm-hmm. and i was like all right i guess we're gonna go catch some snipes with your hands with it we had bags oh oh <laughs> thank god yeah okay so they're gonna run into the bag because they need a place to hide this is what they told us, right so we go out there and it's like me and three or four of my cousins and they say okay the thing of it is they're not used to humans so you have to cover your face <laughs> So we're going to put a thing over your face. <laughs> Two of y'all are going to bang the pots. And the other one, you just hold the bag on the ground, and they're going to run in there, and then ca- you catch them. And we're like, I mean, you listen to what your uncle says. Yeah, sure. Oh, sure. So we go, and they, you put the thing over your face. And I got the bag on the floor. And my other cousins, they just start banging. Bang, bang, bang. We're screaming and making all this noise. And we're just going, and we're waiting, and then nothing happens. Like, not a single thing. <laughs> stop. They stop banging the pots. And this was with my cousin Jesse. Like, okay, Jesse, stop, 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 stop. And they took the thing off, and they were fucking gone. They just left us <laughs> in the woods. We're 12 years old. We're wandering around the woods at 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, just believe whatever they'll say. Yeah. Liars. <laughs> a bunch of liars. Don't believe any Mexicans. They oh, just my lie. God. Just um, what was your first uh, introduction to hip-hop? You know what? I think it was... 2014? Yeah, somewhere around, <laughs> somewhere around there. No, it was... Um, I was young. We were. I, was, I remember I was in elementary, and I lived next door to this guy named... Uh, they called him T-Bone was his name. Mm-hmm. His real name was JT. And he was like a, a, a rap guy. And he had um, the Ghetto Boys album, mm-hmm. so We Can't Be Stopped. One yeah. Bushwick's eye hanging out of his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, I don't want to be a fan <laughs> I remember that was the first album cover I saw. But then, like as far as listening to music, I think probably Vanilla Ice was the first yeah sure actual album I listened to um, in the early nineties. But what was your favorite song off that album? <laughs> Ice Ice Baby. Oh man, you should listen to the B sides. Well, I mean, we listened to all like Rice Aroni, <laughs> Stop That Train, and play that funky music. White, but like that album was going hard when I was eight years old or whatever for a second when you said rice or i was like does every song have ice in it like <laughs> very worried <laughs> um it's a good album man. yeah no totally and did and you see cool as ice the movie i did wow i did that was one of my, i mean he said i remember he had the, the lines in his head on the motorcycle doing all kind yeah. of shit. yeah i remember the one line in he's like you got to drop that zero and, and get, get with the, the hero, hero. Yeah. and i was like oh shit i gotta say that from now on and that shit never worked like, one single time until you got your wife until until then yeah she was like all right i get it <laughs> um, um by the way watching that movie as an adult not the same experience it's not very good no it's just like seeing star wars i think like Did, we, we just saw star wars for the first time yeah but wait is is uh cooler than ice on netflix or something it was on youtube they had like a rip really yeah i definitely yeah like i i wasted a a, a few a hours a good couple hours yeah <laughs> like there's a part. I mean, none of it makes sense. It's it's stupid. Yeah. It's. You know. Sorry. I mean, I don't want to ruin your childhood. <laughs> no, I get it. I watched it. I mean, I watched it like once a week. So. Did, <laughs> did did any of your friends or did you rap like growing up? Yeah, everybody tries to rap. What was your rap name? Oh, I didn't. I don't think I had one. Okay. <laughs> I, I was talking to my sister, my the one right underneath me. Mm-hmm. Um, number two. Number two. Mm-hmm. Her name is just Minda. We were. We were hanging out for Thanksgiving, and <clears throat> we were outside the house, and we were rapping. You didn't like make up your own rap; you just rapped rap songs that you knew. Sure. So we were battling like Vanilla Ice battle. Yeah, yeah. In sure. <laughs> and she beat me, she, and I thought I knew like all of this, and she just kept going. She was like <laughs> really getting after it, like fuck it, like she was the brat, like she was just going yeah. hard. <laughs> and so like I got so frustrated that all I could do is I just shoved her 
into a bush. Like, <laughs> that was the only thing I could think to do. That was my first rap fight with my sister. That was a rap battle. Yeah, that was a real rap battle. Did you go to public school or private school? Public school. And uh, was it the same group of kids like from elementary school all the way through high school like all your your friends yeah, how big was your school it was a it was a big school we were the it was the same group of kids from through elementary and then at middle school i moved out like my my family lived on your parents were like now. you need to be an adult yeah, <laughs> yeah you they, move out they kicked me out go live in a tent <laughs> yeah. and i went to go live with my grandma on the other side of town so it was just me and her yeah for middle school so it was like all new kids over there mm-hmm. but uh how was that it was terrible yeah it was weird like because you were excited to go to middle school with all your friends because they're all funneled in the same school and then i end up at this new school and it's one thing if you move in the middle of the school year and you're the new kid then because you're like kind of mysterious, right? Sure. <laughs> you just are there at the beginning of school and you're the new kid. Nobody knows you're a new kid. You're just a kid with no friends. So it's right? not like the movies where they like make that introduction of just like, hey, guys, there's a new kid in class. Yeah. Shay, stand up and say something about yourself. It, it wasn't like that. And I you were like, I'm Shay. I shoved my sister into a bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember in... Uh, seventh or or no eighth grade i guess in in social studies class like i'm not new to school or anything this is the same like group of kids every time but the the social studies teacher wanted to know something about everyone just to like sort of like get his bearings as to like who each kid was and where they sat or whatever and so i guess we wrote something down about ourselves on a card and he collected all them and he's going through them and like i was in sports illustrated for kids um for like painting all the baseball logos like very Huge large size, size yeah. in our in our parents' basement. <laughs> our parents were like, if you if you clean up downstairs and you want, because I was like, I want to paint like all the major league baseball logos on the walls. They're like, if you clean up, you paint the walls white, then you can do whatever you want with like the walls. We're like, cool. So my brothers and I painted everything white, and then went then about Eric doing that. Got all the credit for. I did, yeah, I yeah. did. But uh, I was in Sports Illustrated for kids, so I'm sure I wrote that down or something to that effect uh, as an eighth grader. And he gets all the things, and he's like, Eric Rosenthal? And I'm like, yep, right here. And he was like, likes to throw rocks at moving trains? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, like, ruined everything. But, uh, but okay, so you're, you're the new kid in school. Did, did sports or rap, like, help out in any way? Did that make you sort of, like, find... Sports more than rap. So what sports were you playing? I was playing a lot of basketball okay. and, and football. Yeah. And... Uh, those were basketball was the main one because you, you everyone was playing basketball at the time and we were all terrible. <laughs> I thought, thought we were really good. And all Sp- Spurs fans, all Spurs fans. I mean, not uh, entirely, but mostly. Did, oh, someone wanted to like stick out and be like a Rockets cool fan. fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, we had like a before school starts. They got the courts outside, and you just show up early and you get to play. Yep. And so that's what you did. That's how you made friends. How were you? That was terrible. Really <laughs> bad. I, I don't think I got good at basketball until like. Somewhere around ninth grade, I sort of figured out how my body was moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before then, I was just falling a lot, and uh, just well, I played. I played you were seventh, Reggie Miller. Seventh grade, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I played seventh grade, I played eighth grade, and those whole two seasons, I think I made one basket. All right. Out of the two years, and I was playing a lot. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, but a lot of lot of intangibles though. I, I didn't know like anything about basketball. I just knew if I was like trying hard and fouling a lot of people, yeah. that I got to play. So I just was doing that. Yeah, yeah. So we were being like the huddle, and the coach is drawing up a play, and we come out, and the, our, I remember a point guy's guy named Jesse, and he was like, he was like, hey, what, what play did he run? What, and I said, like, I don't know, just throw me the ball. And I'm gonna <laughs> like, that's all I knew. And it was really like, it was fun. Basketball, football was not that much fun. Football, I got tackled one time, and I was like, I'm out of it. <laughs> 
Fuck this game. This game hurts too much. Um, what happened after high school? What, did you like go to college? Did you? What'd you do? Yeah, I went to to college. Um, my parents were like super big on that because nobody in our family had ever graduated high school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So when we when I was getting close to the end of high school, shoot, my mom was telling me like you're either gonna go to college or you're gonna go in the army. One of these two things is gonna happen. So mm-hmm. You get to pick. And I was like, I guess I'm going to college. Yeah. <laughs> so I just started uh, applying to schools. I was I joined this like college prep program at my high school because there was a girl in it who I was like trying to hang out with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's how I ended up in college was just because of the by accident. Did, did she go to the same college as you? She didn't. She didn't even end up going to college. Ah. Oh. Did she go to the, the army? army? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she went for like a semester and then dropped out and. I looked her up on Facebook and she was doing like her life is terrible right now. Really? I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. It just fell apart. <laughs> How big was your high school class, by the way? It was a couple thousand kids. It was a big school. A couple thousand? Yeah, two or three thousand. Was graduation forever? <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you meant like the whole school. Oh, no, no, no. Your, your grade. Oh, shoot. I don't know. Maybe a, six or seven hundred. I mean, that's, that's still a lot. Yeah, we did at the Alamo Dome. Whoa! Wow! Yeah. Yeah. So one by one, you walk the stage. Yeah. Yo, that sucks being like in the S's or the R's like us. Like, yeah, yeah, it was not fun. (laughs) What's crazy is like the school was ninety-seven percent, ninety-eight percent Hispanic. So it was like forty-seven Aguilar, (laughs) thirty-six Cortez. Just going like that. I get it. I get it. Um, Our school is like all Italian. And so we get like Piambino, Artuso, yep. you know, Maraglino, Della Bella, yeah. Mezzancello. But also, by the way, so uh, my brothers are twins, right? And so it's Dan Rosenthal and Jeff Rosenthal. And, you know, for your whole, for how, how long? Yeah, for our whole lives. It was like, you know, well, school yeah, was like 13 years, but it was like 12 years we were, uh, it was Dan and Jeff Rosenthal like together in the yearbook. And then Heather Rosenthal moves from no um, relation. Arizona. No. Yep. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And luckily, <laughs> luckily, so she split us up in the um, in the yearbook. But at graduation, she was a dummy, and they let the smart kids graduate first, <laughs> like National Honor Society. And so uh, Dan Rosenthal and Jeff Rosenthal, yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah, so she didn't fuck it up. <laughs> was there a bunch of kids at your, at your in your class? No, I mean, like it was probably um, two hundred and twenty per grade. Yeah, mine was one sixty two. And you always, by the way, or I do rather, I always remember who graduated one hundred and sixty second, like the last person, like <laughs> you know, just like the not. I don't want to say he's dumb. He's a he's a New York City cop now, but like so you pretty know. dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember the kid who wore capris to our like pastel capris and uh, J Lo glasses to our um, graduation. There you go. It was a very strong look. I also know there's kids who like just like want to fuck with their parents, and they're just like fuck that. I'm gonna wear shorts. I'm gonna wear like you know Crocs right. or something like that. Like yeah, we it was like you're you're. Dressing up for graduation, like don't mess around. When, yeah. when, the, when we graduated, they give you these little cards mm-hmm. that has your name on it, and when you walk up, you hand the card to the guy. So they say your name right, and the order doesn't get right. Yeah, kids. So there's this this guy, a couple of spaces ahead of me. His name is Brandon, whatever Rodriguez, <laughs> probably. Uh-huh. And uh, he like took his card and he scribbled on it, and then he was just like holding it and sort of laughing. <laughs> and so he goes up there and he hands it to the guy, and the guy looks at it, and then he looks at Brandon, and then he looks over here, and he looks at the, the <laughs> other people on the stage, and they're saying they're going, and he, he just leans into the mic. This is in the, it's in the stadium, yeah. Now. But he just leans forward, and he goes, "It's that boy, Brandon." <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole Brandon was a hero, man. I'm so happy. He did that. that boy, Brandon. <laughs> um, what what was the Alamo Dome used for, like for most of the year? 
They used it for the rodeo and yeah. concerts. And they have like monster truck rallies. Yeah. Did you go to those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every really? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? Every Sunday. <laughs> They're like a $3 to go to or something. Really? What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you take like a Coke can, $3 ticket or something, you sit up at the top. It was great. Man. Listen, uh, like New York prices, that's like $60. <laughs> <laughs> so you look forward to seeing, uh, what was the... Wasn't there like a really popular truck? Like it was a big like blue one. Yeah, there were a bunch. Grave Digger was my Grave Digger. Digger. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one everyone wanted to see. Yeah. And so would they have? Um, what else would they do down there? Would they play like high school like football game, like championship I, games I, in I there? Think and they did. we didn't go down there too much. I mean, we're way on the other side of town. It's like a whole journey mm-hmm. to get over there. Um, okay, so you go you go to college. Mm-hmm. Where, where'd you go? I went to this place called Sam Houston State. Okay, oh, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about an hour north of Houston. Named after Sam Houston. Named after Sam Houston. Uh, and what was your major? When I started, it was criminal justice. And that's why I picked that school. They were like one of the top two or three criminal justice schools in the country. Yeah. Right? So I went and I thought I was going to be like an FBI agent, like fucking Clarice Starling profiler type thing. Yeah. And so I started doing classes and I went maybe like two years and that was my, my degree at the time and I started getting into the actual criminal justice classes and then they showed us these photos one day of like uh, crime scenes with dead bodies and I was like oh (laughs) never mind this is very real that's a dead person I don't want to do this anymore and so I I switched it to uh, psychology because I knew I wanted to be a teacher at some point yeah yeah and then maybe I'm going to get into counseling or whatever so I got a degree but then once you started looking inside people's brains and you were like, oh, no, 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 this is too real. Dead bodies. Yeah, dead bodies. A lot of, a lot of skeletons in the closet. Um, we got to visit. So uh, there was a there was an off-year election day, an off-cycle like you know cycle election day yeah. um, one year. Um, and uh, I got a knock on the door, and I was like, Jeff and I had already voted that day. I wasn't going to you know answer the door, like, go away, right? Mm-hmm. And so they... They, whoever it was slid a card it was like a business card but folded over it was like two business cards folded in half uh, slid that under the door and I look at it and there's the uh, symbol for the Federal Bureau of, Invi- of, of Investigation on there and I'm looking at that I was like oh <clears throat> I opened it up and it was like um, you know there's information on the left hand side and on the right hand side someone wrote in uh, Agent Mayo um, you know stop by at whatever time it was please give me a call at this number <laughs> and i was like oh my god so i immediately i call them and the guy's like hey uh me and my partner whatever agent whatever uh we're around the corner we'll come back up i was like okay sorry i was like in the shower i was i was at my computer like clearly like you know yeah you got the uh, thing at the door yeah, but yeah whatever but so eric does this he calls the fbi and says, or the fbi agent and says like hey like come on over and i'm like what the fuck are you doing i'm like you don't know who that is i was like oh my god you're right this guy's gonna come rob us like it's for sure yeah this- and so in the meantime i look up the fbi's like main number and i'm just like praying that someone answers the main line to be like and so i call up and i'm like is agent mayo like a real person like does he work for you and they're like, hold please. And then they're like, immediately they're just like, so we can't confirm, but we won't deny that Agent Mayo. And so, and just I swear to God, just like a movie, right when they tell us that, the doorbell rings, <laughs> and we're like, oh my god. And so, if we were smarter people, we would have like opened the door just a little bit and been like, hey, can we see your badges and inspect it to the best of our abilities? I but, wish Snapchat was around during this. Yeah, by yeah, way. just hold your phone out. <laughs> yeah. But they came in and they sat down and they're like, hey, excuse me, have you guys? Uh, heard any strange noises in the last six months and we're like mm, not, 
I don't know. And we, we went into the explanation where we're like, when they rebuilt this building, they put another foot of concrete in between. So it's really soundproof. When we, when we play our music, like, very loud, no one complains. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, have you heard any strange noises from the apartment upstairs? We're like, mm, we're like no. no. And so they said something about, like, do you know this person? Then they, like, said some name. And Eric goes, I don't even know if that's a woman or a man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. what. And so they were like, all right, well, um, the woman above you disappeared, and we're looking for, you know, some answers as to why or something. And we're just and we're like, like, oh, no, like, we just do hip-hop sketch comedy from our apartment. <laughs> and they're like, how do you make money? And we're like, what are you, our parents? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and then after we agreed that they wouldn't, you know, take our TV in leaving, they, they left. Yeah, they whatever. were cool guys. Yeah, they were all right. Yeah. <laughs> Agent Mayo and whoever. Yeah. Regardless of whether they worked for the FBI, they were looking for somebody upstairs. Yeah. But yeah, so that could have been you. That could have been no. <laughs> not when I saw those pictures. Have you ever seen a dead body? It's awful. Uh, no, it's terrible. Definitely have not. That's the worst thing. Did they offer any of those classes in high school for like criminal mm-hmm. justice and everything? So, yeah. and you took those? Yeah. And that's that gave you a little sort of really good at it. Really, yeah. <laughs> like too good. <laughs> too good. You too good. you were like bones from the Fox show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the yeah. crime scenes. I got I figured it out. <laughs> So a couple of years of that, and then a couple of years of psychology. What do your parents think at that point? They were they were excited. I mean, I was in college. Yeah, yeah. When I was the only one, and I'm talking like not just my immediate family, but like the whole entire family. Yeah. I'm the one I'm the one that got out. Wow. And so I could have like come home and just taken a dump on the table, and my mom would have been so like, "That's a college dump." That <laughs> <laughs> was really, and I did, and I did well. Like the first semester, I was like on the the dean's list or whatever man and so i could there was nothing i, I couldn't do anything wrong I, yeah nothing i could do wrong so by the way uh you're the you're the oldest you you go to college um do your three siblings go on and follow you and then go to college one so. did okay one right underneath yeah when i push in the bush yep. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she took that yes strength yes. that i gave her it was all a revenge story <laughs> so, so she went the one underneath her didn't go mm-hmm. i think she tried for a little bit then uh the one underneath her definitely didn't go. It was like getting worse. Yeah. Time. Well, <laughs> as we went down, does the does the youngest sister is that? Are your parents the most like lenient with her? Was no. it just like we spent all of our effort on on the oldest three? <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, the youngest one. Man, I, I saw I saw her on Thanksgiving like on Facetime, and it was the first time I'd seen her in months. Well, where does she live now? She lives in San Antonio. Okay. Also, okay. They got into like a big fight. Her and my parents did. Yeah, this is a couple years ago, and she was like fuck you guys i'm out of here wow and she was just gone she's been gone since then so i mean they're stubborn kids you know? sure we're yeah people, are you so. facebook friends no she won't she doesn't call she's called me like twice in however many years wow yeah and when and i think the reason is when she called i was like trying to get her to move to houston uh-huh. she didn't have a job she's living with her boyfriend whatever uh-huh. but they were living with his parents yeah and it's just like a real loser situation and so I'm telling her, come to Houston, I'm going to buy you a car, I'm going to get you an apartment, you can live on your own, whatever. Yeah. And then I just, no. Man. There's a lot going on. But, so she FaceTimed you, and then since then? Since Have then. you spoken or no? No. Man. Uh, yeah. It's a bad thing. You know, it's crazy, it's her boyfriend, when they were first going out or whatever, when she first moved in, she called me, and he was in the background, and I was like, put that motherfucker on the phone. Yeah. And so I was... Like, to, like, you know, you were gonna push him in the bush. Yeah, I was ready to kill him, and he was like saying, "Oh, I heard you did a rap coloring book. Nobody's gonna buy that shit." And I was like, "You motherfucker! I'm <laughs> on my way to San Antonio right now." That's the only time I ever talked to him. Was he was, was so wrong. Time. He was so wrong. He was very wrong. 
And he Ma- still didn't have a job. Like, I just want to rub it in his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that why you made the rap coloring book a success? Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything I've done in my life was because I was trying to put it in somebody else's face. Yes. So, so wait, how does the rap coloring... Because you were a teacher. I was a teacher, yeah. Um, okay. So, you are teaching. How do you meet up with Bun B? I was teaching and I had become... Like, I was freelance writing for a bunch of places. Yes. At the time. Um the way it works is my wife was a teacher as well. Mm-hmm. She got pregnant with the twins. Mm-hmm. And so we, the plan was she'd stay home for six months after the kids were born. <clears throat> we saved up our little bit of money for that. And then like halfway through the pregnancy, she went into labor. And uh, they rushed her to the hospital. She had to get a surgery. And they laid her down. And they were like, you got to lay down forever until the babies come out. If you get up and walk around, they're going to fall out. It's basically what they told her. If they come out now, they're going to die. It was like. All Jesus. Right. Yeah, it was very, like, a very serious. Yeah, that's like Thursday. a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. So we said, okay, well, you just lay there. And we were using the money that we had saved up before the babies came. And when we were getting to the end of it, we're like, well, you need more money. I tried to find other jobs. I got a Target or Walmart or a waiter. But nobody would hire me since I already had a full-time job. So I was, like, literally just Googling work-from-home jobs type thing. And writer was one of them. And I was like, I guess I'm a writer now. I started calling the newspapers in town, telling them I'm a new writer, and they're like, you don't have the internet. Like, why are you calling? You send me an email. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. So I started emailing them all, and then that's how I got started. Well, and what was your first piece? My first thing that I wrote was about the Texas, as a matter of fact. Yeah. It was for this little tiny neighborhood newspaper. It was called the Near Northwest Banner that this old lady was printing up in her garage with her husband, like a neighborhood newsletter. Yeah. With a machine. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have the internet. <laughs> and then she paid me like 15 bucks or whatever to write it. Yeah. And I did that. And then I did another one for about the Astros the next month. She needed a sports writer or whatever. And then I used those two. And I was like, fuck this old lady. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I used those two to move on to the next place, and which was like a, a slightly larger neighborhood paper. And then I went from there to the Houston Press, which is like the big weekly paper. In yeah. And then I was like covering rap for them. For a good couple of years, like when I was looking through the pages or reading the site, I saw that nobody was really writing about rap very often. And I was like, well, I'm going to make this my thing. Houston's a rap city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. I started going to all the shows and meeting all the local rappers. And that was like the easiest way to get on. People ask me all the time, what's if you're just starting out, what's the best way? I say, you got to like pitch local stories to local papers because now you're cutting out all the competition. Yeah. It's just a much smaller pool. You got a better shot. And so I did that, and I made, like, rap in Houston my beat. Yeah. And then that's how I met Bun. You know, you go to enough shows, you're going to run into him. <laughs> yeah. He's everywhere. He's literally everywhere. <laughs> he is. And he reads everything. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, I had mentioned him a couple of times or made this joke or that joke, and I was walking out of a show one day, and he called me. I was with my wife, and he's like, yo, Shay, what's up, dude? And I was like, oh, fuck, that's Bun B. Like, <laughs> and he knows who you are. I yeah. ran away. Yeah. yeah. ran away. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, that's how that's how that happened. Um, Wait, did you actually run away? I did. Like a normal person? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were at House of Blues. He was at the, there's, like, escalators to get up there. And I saw him, and he said hello, and I was like, oh, fuck, hi. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know how to respond. It's like seeing a shark. <laughs> I don't want to, you know. Um, first time we met Bun was probably back in, like, 2007, I think. Um he was a fan of our like we we did we, uh, weekly sketch videos right like for three and a half years and it was all 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 over the blogs like not right and everything and he called us up one day got our number called called me up I was at the gym yeah, it was a Wednesday morning I remember that and he goes he goes hey it's Bun B first time <laughs> first time long time and I was just like this is unbelievable and we yeah. were like how did you get his number and also like to hear 
you know, your hero's voice on the phone talking to you is just like the it's weird, right? It's the craziest. Yeah, the name come You've been hearing in the speakers for some yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And then now it's him, and he's so smart. He's smart and funny and just genuine. And everything he says sounds like he rehearsed it before. <laughs> yeah, like no matter what you ask him, just some insightful shit. Hey guys, we just wanted to remind you to please, please, please subscribe, rate, and comment on our episodes, which are all available for streaming and download on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can find episodes like this one with Bun B where he's talking about a very young Lil Wayne. I remember Baby was like, I remember when Baby sat in the studio and he's like, I want this kid to be great. I think this kid has the potential to be great. What do I do in order for him to achieve that greatness? Uh, And I told him point blank, you have to make his life revolve around the studio. Whatever it is he wants to indulge in, he has to indulge in it at the studio. Right? If he wants girls, bring him to the studio. He's old enough now. If he wants weed, he wants liquor, bring him to the studio, right? So that when he leaves the studio, he feels funny, feels foreign, feels out of place. And the only place that he feels comfortable is the studio. Sorry, so you wow, saw... that's like super manipulative, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like... But I mean, but that's, but that's, that's how you... That's Pavlovian. That's like... <laughs> every so, time you like, you know, go to the studio, you get a girl. It's like... <laughs> I, I fuck around and get Spengali sometimes. Yeah, you know. Jesus. And look what, look what happened. And now back to our conversation with Shay Serrano. So you're moving around the, the the rap shows and everything, and you're going to like Slim Thug shows or like Dobeezy or yeah, yeah. Um, Paul Wall and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do any like stand out to you? Are you like you know were there shows that you really like wanted to go to and made that your sort of uh, all of those guys mission? that that you're mentioning? Yeah, there there's a really strong group of guys, like ten guys there who are really good. Um, Dobies is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Propane, D-Lo, Less, Hoodstar, Chance. Like these guys who are sort of at the top of that level. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you go to those shows and it was fun. We, I went to my favorite one. I went to this guy named Hoodstar Chance, who's not very popular right now. He should be very popular. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it was like the most exciting rap show that I had been to ever in my life at that point because he was just up there going and like he's he's like a not very tall maybe like 5'10 mm-hmm. he's like a thin guy and he's doing like his body is just going forever <laughs> and he was rapping some song and the crowd was there and they're all going crazy it's a small group it's like 50 people or whatever but they were really packed in tight yeah, yeah. the time they're backed off and not doing this one they were all up in there they knew that he was going to do this show and he started going rapping and some lady there she's probably 25 maybe she looked like she just jumped up on the stage she wasn't supposed to be there. She just got up there and she like grabbed the mic from him and started rapping his song like to him and to the crowd. And it was the first time I'd seen anything like that. Yo. Really like after that, I want to go to all of his shows. Yeah. Like, and would you do like, if, you know, that not every, that doesn't happen every time he has a show. <laughs> it doesn't. No. Yeah. It's like the same girl comes up and you're just like, wait a minute, is she a plant? <laughs> yeah. Did you go to all the, like if Mac Miller came into town or if like, um, yeah. You know, Jay Electronica or whoever like would make the rounds like and came down to Houston. Jay Electronica. I I just assume at some point like he would show up somewhere that wasn't. I like to think only exists in yeah 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 yeah. clouds. (laughs) Yeah, I I started out with the with the smaller guys, and then you you know after a while the editors get to trust you. Yeah. Okay, well, Mac is coming or Jay Z is coming. Yeah. yeah. Are you writing every week at that point? I was writing shoot like five times a week and you're still teaching at that thing yeah, yeah, yeah and your wife's still laying down oh wait this is you were writing for the village voice property yeah. right yeah gotcha yeah. what was it called it's the houston free press is houston that right press yeah 
Yeah. And and so do they do they at a certain point recognize you besides like Bun? Like, are there other guys who are just like, hey, I fuck with this guy's writing and I want him to sort of cover me? Like, are no. publicists reaching out? No, no. no. Oh. Nobody. Eric wants to know what 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 Houston rappers are nerds. <laughs> nerds? Shoot. I, I mean, the, these are intimidating guys. Yeah, like, they all got some history. Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe Mike Jones is the yeah, yeah kind of a nerd, but the other ones are nah. And so, at what point does your writing get the attention of someone like Bill Simmons or David Show or Sean Fantasy or whoever brought you into Grantland? That came a couple years ago. I. When I was at the press, I did a thing on this rapper named Trey the Truth. Yep, yep. And he had been banned by the radio station in Houston, and then by like all of Radio One properties or whatever. Mm-hmm. They weren't playing his music, and so I wrote a big story on that. It was like a cover story, right? And that was the first thing I did that got like national attention. A bunch of places were talking about it. Yeah. And so after that, I flipped that into like, okay, well, I'm going to go from the press now to the Village Voice or LA Weekly, and those are b- bigger papers. And then you know you're just work, trying to work your way up. Yeah. You gotta when you're writing, you got a list of places you want to write for, and you're just sort of ticking them off mm-hmm. as you go. And so at the time, I was with uh, I was doing a weekly column for uh, LA Weekly, mm-hmm. and I wrote a silly thing about having sex with my wife while listening to rap or mm-hmm. Drake mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, that thing spread all over. And this woman named Molly Lambert, who was at Cleveland, yep. yep. I guess she saw it and she liked it, and she sent it to the people, and they liked it. So she sent me a message. She was the first one to reach out. I have it saved on my phone like a screenshot. Yeah. It was in July of 2012, I think. And she said, I saw, you know, I saw this thing, and do you have any interest in pitching Grantland? And by this point, Grantland was already out of there. They've got New York Times people. They've got a Pulitzer Prize winner. On, I mean, they have Rembert Brown. They have, <laughs> yeah. They've got like all of these amazing writers who are at the top of wherever you're supposed to be. And so I was like, like yeah I want to pitch I never even considered the idea <laughs> and so that's how I got started was Molly and um <laughs> I like this you got started with Molly yeah. <laughs> um by the way Molly's brother uh Ben Lambert manages is, uh, manages uh Freddie Gibbs mm-hmm. yep you're still teaching at that point still teaching do your kids have any idea what you do on the side it was, I think maybe by like 2013 it was unavoidable at that point anymore yeah what ended up happening was I did this thing where I was like on the video chat or some sort of thing with ESPN. We were talking about basketball. And there's an app on Xbox One or whatever. It has like ESPN thing on there. And my video was up there. (laughs) And some kid from the football team that I coached saw it. And he was like, what the fuck? He researched it and then he told everybody. And then after that, it just sort of spread around. That's crazy. Yeah. It's sort of at the point now where like... Look, kids are gonna like find whatever they're gonna find on the internet yeah. whenever, right? Mm-hmm. So like, even if even if you weren't, you know, writing, if you were just whatever your history is, like, I, I assume kids are gonna just Google whoever their teacher is and find out their history anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So they find out you're you're a writer, and does that make you cooler? Does that make you? They didn't care. Okay. <laughs> they didn't care too. Did administration care? No, they didn't. They thought. I mean, they thought it was cool. I if I I rarely wrote about the kids. Right. If I did, it was always like this. Like very positive thing. Sure, mm-hmm. and Some sort of life lesson. Type. One of the um, you weren't like these idiots. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one, one of the things you did was a was a video series around the football team that you were coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, by the way, one hit and and that that ended your football career. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of of actually want, playing, yeah, yeah. wanted me into it, but now you're coaching football. Yeah. Um, those kids were how old? They are 
14. Right. And and the whole and the video series was your idea or Grantland's idea? Yeah, or... I pitched Grantland the idea about covering the coach and the team. Yep. The Tuesday Night Lights column. Yep. And uh, I pitched this guy named Chris Ryan. Yep. And he was like, yeah, this is a really good idea. Te- Texas is a big football state and, you know, you do it. And so I did one. And it did really well, like, as far as the response goes. I started getting a bunch of messages. People were excited about it. Again, because it was a very positive thing. And it also helped that our team that year was fantastic. Yeah. And we were just destroying people. <laughs> so we went, like, undefeated. Thanks to the coaches. And, and steroids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks to the, our quarterback, who was fucking incredible. And uh, so we, we ended up winning out. And when we got to the end, I asked if, we, if I can. I got a guy in Houston who does video. Can we do like a Friday Night Lights knockoff mm-hmm. with these kids? Yeah. So we did that. And in your mind, did you ever consider, like, while you're in the middle of doing both of these careers, that you might choose writing over, over teaching? No. I knew I wanted to be a teacher for a long time. Right. When I was a kid, I knew I wanted to eventually become a teacher. It just seemed like an important job. I wanted to be part of a community. I wanted to be there for a long time. I wanted to have a kid come to me like, oh, you taught my dad, like that sort of situation, yeah, right? Yeah, And so I never considered leaving uh, writing, I mean, leaving teaching for writing, especially even when I started like to really get out there or like I'm measuring the money I'm making and I'm, now I'm making more money writing than teaching and I still, like that's still just a part-time job t- to me type thing. And it wasn't until, um, Grant, there's a guy at Grantland at the time, his name was Dan, who's like the nicest person you ever met. But he's super slick. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you talk to him for like two minutes and you're just going to do whatever he wants you to do, that sort of situation. <laughs> and so I was like, "There's no, I'm never going to leave writing. There's no way this is going to happen. And I got on the phone with Dan for uh, you know, a couple of minutes and I was like, fuck these kids, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then they, uh, well, I started a part-time contract um, and then that went well. And so they offered a full-time contract and then here we are. And by the way, so... Uh, you saying Dan is like the nicest person in the world? I was very off put the first time you reached out to me because you were the nicest person. I, I I didn't know what to do, like because nobody really operates the way that you do. Like you were calling me your best friend, and we, I was like, "Have we met?" Like I didn't. It, it was very confusing to me. Um, and I was like, you know, you asked me, I think to um, you wanted you you drew my picture for the um for the coloring book. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And um you sent it to me and you were like you're my best friend. Can you <laughs> uh can you interview Bun B and uh for New York Magazine? And I was like absolutely like literally anything you want I will do. Like it was it was the nicest. I I just didn't know what to do with it though. <laughs> yeah. I, I even asked Bun. I was like, "What's this dude's deal?" Like, I was like, "Is he is he just like a nice guy?" And he was like, "Yeah, like he's just a teacher, and he he doesn't operate like you New York guys. He's just yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't know. Every time I see him, he runs away. It's I very think, strange. Yeah. I think Bun called me a cynical asshole on the well, phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds right. At what point are you like? Do you share with your wife that you know maybe this writing gig is going to be the main focus? Like when when Dan reached out and said. Yeah, I mean, I talk to her every day, so. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she knew what I was what I was thinking, and then I, I mean, she's like the one person who she's gonna tell me what's a, actually a good idea. Right. And I got a bunch of people who are telling me things they want me to do just because it's gonna help them somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was not, you know, she's not like that. So everyone knows that that Grantland unfortunately um, died a sad death recently. <laughs> yeah. Look, there were so many loyal fans and readers and everything, and. Uh, you know, a lot of people consider it sort of like a cult thing, but uh, there were just pieces that went 
crazy viral. There's a lot of amazing I mean, work yeah, that was done there. There's amazing work. But when they announced that Grantland was going to end, all, all these people came out of sort of the woodwork and it was trending everywhere. And there were all these pieces, you know, just sort of, you know, very, very sad and, and reminiscing about whatever the, yeah, it was like the it, four years it was. It was like people had lost a part of themselves. What did Grantland mean to you as someone who was in there? It was, uh, I mean, it was the best thing. Grant, it literally changed my life. Yeah. Like, I don't, that's not a joke or hyperbole. Before I started at Grantland, we were, we were trying to buy a house. We lived in a townhome. It was me and my wife and my three kids. And it was too small for us. It had two bedrooms. And we're a growing family. We don't have a yard. The kids need to play. And I was teaching and freelancing. And I, we couldn't get uh, a loan for a house. They don't care about the freelance money because it's not steady. And you don't make enough as a teacher to afford a house in Houston. Right. And so we just couldn't get a house. We, uh, we didn't have a house. I don't even think at the time I had a car. It was a, well, We had one car for the family. And uh, I had an old car that had got broken down or whatever. And then Granlin came and they gave me a contract. And now I have another salary. And all of a sudden, when I have this to show the people, they're like, well, here's all the money you need to buy your... We bought a house. That's like I got, I got hired in July. By the end of July, or by the end of August, we had a house and a car. And it was like, everything changed. Now I, they're, I'm flying across the country to go to this place or that place to meet with this person or that person. Like, I've never done any of this stuff. And so, and, and there was no reason for them to pick me up. I felt like they just sort of did it. And put my stuff out there and you know i mean it was incredible and what was the what was the big difference between grantland and other places that you worked for in terms of like editorial well the guys there that i was working under with it was mark Mm -hmm. and dan and sean and chris and and juliet yeah these are like the smartest people you know you sit down at at a meeting with these people and it's like like it's super intimidating (laughs) when you go there and I guess because I was on staff, all the other places I was just freelancing. So you turn something in, and there's like, oh, I changed this or I changed that. Like every once in a while, you get that. Um, I had it at LA Weekly with uh, this guy named Ben Westhoff. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. He's a, I mean, a really smart guy, and he was helping me a, a, a lot too. Um, and then when I was at the press, I had it with Chris Gray, who's my guy there. Uh, they were try- like, I could feel them trying to make me better writers. And then at the other places, it was just like turn it in great job whatever yeah but then at grandland and i'm now i'm a full-time guy like they're really trying to help you out they're really shaping stuff they're responding to emails or whatever you know when people like change your words for the first time is that like a weird thing for you like when people say okay this isn't perfect like you know because most editors will just sort of throw it up like you said and just say like this is good so when somebody starts changing your words around is that how do you react to that i was excited (laughs) you know the edits never Anytime I got edited, it never bothered me because I knew that there was not an editor who was like, I'm going to make this worse on purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. every time someone was changed, because they thought it was going to be better. And then at Grandland, when they changed it, it was like really actually better, Mm -hmm. a lot better. Mm -hmm. We'll turn a thing in and Sean would add just like two words here or one sentence, switch it. And it was like, oh, fuck, this is way better this (laughs) way. And so I'm trying to see how they're changing it, uh, what Mark is doing, what Chris is doing with these things. And then. The next time I write it, okay, I'm going to do it like that. And then, you know, yeah, it's, it was it was really, it was very collaborative. Yeah, I only ask that because, like, those are some, like, fantastic editors. I have had bad editors in the past, including <laughs> one who, when I was, um, I was writing for Rolling Stone a lot, and I interviewed Meek Mill. And this guy, first of all, didn't know who Meek Mill was, but then also, 
he asked me if a mixtape was the same thing as a track. <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> not. Yeah. Did you have a favorite piece over your, all your, your time at Grantland? I don't, I don't think so. The thing of it is, when, you, when I write something, before I turn it in, it's like the best thing I've ever written. Sure. That's ever been written by anybody. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I send it, like 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm going to get fired. They're going to finally figure this out. <laughs> so it's, when it's up, like, I don't even look at them beyond to check what was changed. I don't, like... I don't. I hate them. I hate all everything. That you, everything you read, I like hate it. Yeah. By the time it gets out there, what got the biggest reaction of all your pieces, in your estimation? I probably the one I did a thing about which rapper you should or shouldn't fight. Right. Was like a chart. <laughs> yep. And that one was, that was a big one. I think maybe that one or I wrote a thing about uh, J Cole. Uh huh. Yep. To a J Cole concert and was like asking people why they like J Cole. Right. Um, that one was another one, and maybe. I did a thing about quarterbacks, fic- fictional quarterbacks or something. Oh, no, Sandlot. I did a thing about the Sandlot. Yep. And that one was probably, as far as they got a little, like, Facebook shares or whatever, like, that yeah. I think that one had the most out of all of them. So I want to trace your, um, you, you do not like J. Cole. I don't. Yeah. As a rapper. Yeah. As a human, he seems like first class. First class. Like the fantastic, <laughs> yeah. everybody should be like J. Cole. He just does nice things <laughs> for people. Well... And that was really the crux of your your piece when you went to a J Cole concert. Yeah, yeah you had yeah. you had like a real like reckoning with yourself. <laughs> yeah, because I mean he does so much good. You read all of these different stories of the the there was one about the graduation he showed up to like yep. four years after he said he was gonna promised. Go. Yeah, something like that. He's there was one about a a guy who said he was gonna kill himself and then he heard whatever J. Cole said in the song. Right. And he changed his mind about that. I mean, he's doing, like, serious things. He's marching, protesting. He's doing real action. Yeah, right. Better stuff as a human than I will ever do. <laughs> and he's just a good, a good person. I would love Have you ever met him? Friend. I haven't. Like, the first time we met him. <clears throat> yes. Um, so it's his first listening party under uh, Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's on the Lower East Side at La Poisson Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric and I go down there. And we're standing in line to get inside. And this guy comes up and he's like, yo, just want to make sure you hear the mixtape. You know, like, I'm a really way, big fan of yours. We get, we get like, offered mixtapes all the time. Like, we can't do anything for anyone. Like, you know, we're tangentially in the music business. But, like, people right. are just like, yo, put me on, put me on, listen to my stuff. So this guy hands us some mixtapes and we're like, mm, no, nah, like, you keep those. We're going to listen inside, right? Because it's a listening party. And the guy then introduces himself as J. Cole. And we're like, sorry. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, good good work. So we basically sunned J. Cole. Um, But And by the way, every every time since then, it's been really like the nicest guy, like comes up to us and shows love. And everybody says that. When I was writing the thing, I sent some texts to some people who are like either friends with them or Mm -hmm. I work with them. And. I was like, is this guy for real? Like, mm-hmm. And they all said that he's the best person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody who I asked said that. And these are guys who are, are with him every day. But his music's just not for you. But his music is just not for me. I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't do anything. A lot of people are like, oh, he's so insightful or whatever. But I listen to it and it's like, he's insightful like the way a fortune cookie is insightful. <laughs> <laughs> like... I get, you're saying a thing that everybody knows. I get it. And doesn't even provide lucky numbers on the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I remember we got 
a fortune cookie one time that said, uh, order dessert now, you'll be hungry later. And I was like, that's pretty good. That's all right. Um, Wait, did you listen to New York rap? Not that, not that J. Cole is really from New York, but did you listen to New York rap? I know you have like an anti-New York bias. Um, <laughs> like you, you said that you were passing out UGK CDs while you were here to uh, to fix our years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. y'all are pretty bad right now. Y'all yeah, pretty bad right now. Y'all used to be really good. It used to be good, and now it's like Troy Ave. <laughs> First of all, no, it's not. It is not that. Uh, Eric and I are big proponents of uh, what Chinks Drugs. Um, mm-hmm. We listen to French Montana. Yeah. Um, There's there is good New York rap. Yeah. yeah, French Montana's biggest song. That is a ripoff of a Houston rapper that uh, popped that song. Like, there's a guy in Houston who did that exact song a year or two before him. Really? Exact same thing. Who is that Houston rapper? Ex- DJ Chose. DJ sure. Chose. Never DJ heard of him. <laughs> yeah. uh, French Montana has heard of DJ Chose. Like, <laughs> it's the same song. Listen to it. The pop that song. It's like, you hear it. Oh, this is awful. Have you, have you seen DJ Chose uh, shows? Yeah. And? Great. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> Does any girl run up and steal the microphone? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Not um, what would happen if your children grow up to be J. Cole fans? <gasps> then they... I gotta, I'm going to drive my car off a bridge. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? What's, me, what's worse, being a J. Cole fan? Your kids being a J. Cole fan? Or your kids growing up to be like Dallas Cowboys fans? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Cole. Probably Cole. No, you know what's... America's rapper. <laughs> this is the 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 reason I like rap so much. Really, any sort of art is there's supposed to be people who don't like what you like. You're mm-hmm. supposed to like things that other people don't like. Um, I like the Big Sean album that came out at Dark Side Paradise. I love yeah. that. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And there's another writer named Jeff Weiss. Yeah, yep. Who's like this album is terrible. Like, but that's my guy because you should be around smart people who don't like things you like and yes. they can explain to you why they do. I mean, that's the whole point of this. You're supposed to argue. I would hate if I woke up tomorrow and everybody figured out, oh, you were right. J. Cole is terrible. <laughs> that would be the worst thing. Like, I don't I don't want that to happen. Yeah, you then know? you're just like Charles Manson. Exactly. I don't want to be Charles Manson. So I don't want my kids grow up. I don't want them to like all the same stuff I like. They don't like sports at all. They mm-hmm. can't stand sports. And I'm like, I mean, it shows. <laughs> I've seen your posts. Yeah, I'm like, good. Don't like it. Like what you like. And then, you know, I mean, that's how, that's how the world should work. Did you go over to your parents' place for um, Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. And if you sit down for Thanksgiving with them or like extended relatives who haven't seen you for a minute, do they fully understand what you are doing for your career? They don't. Okay. <laughs> they, they don't care. But I told my, my dad, Dad, I made it on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. Was like, wow, what is that? <laughs> I got in the San Antonio Current, yeah. which is like a tiny little paper there. Sure. And he called. Like, that's the only time he called. <laughs> He's like, yo, I saw you in the Current. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> it's that anti-New York bias. I know. <laughs> in terms of sports, you've had an amazing run down in San Antonio. Yep, yep. It's with the with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you guys have a USFL team or something like that? Like no. back in the day. Okay, an XFL. XFL. <laughs> <laughs> any any junior football. football? <laughs> but in terms of basketball, look. Any any bounce of the ball could have had Tim Duncan, you know, go to the Celtics or or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You guys lucked out. He's beaten father time every year you guys are not only competitive but you've won a million championships right right um like people don't even remember sean elliott at this point it's like just <laughs> it's tim duncan's town right yeah. like david robinson who right mm-hmm. uh what yeah listen he's he's uh, is he the best spur ever 
Who, Tim Duncan? Yeah. 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 It's not even close. Yeah. There. What about the Admiral? <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a beloved figure, but he's not Tim Duncan. As he gets older, and now now you guys you know, got some younger players, Kawhi Leonard and, and um, LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like obviously I'm sure you feel like you're in good hands for the next you know number of years, but is it going to be the same when Tim Duncan retires? No, it's going to be awful <laughs> and terrible. Uh, the thing of it is though, like we've been good for so long. I say we, I'm on the team. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get. I've, they, if you go on the Spurs website, you can fill out applications to work for the Spurs, like nacho vendor or whatever but I, I fill one out every year and put point guard on there <laughs> never even returned my email uh but they've been good for so maybe long. went to spam yeah, you know? yeah that's probably yeah. it that I, i'm kind of ready for them to be bad because we i don't know what that's like you yeah. know it's been so wow that's like a humble so brag long. i think or, no i think it's just a braggle brag like that's just, <laughs> just brag. we've been so good for so long i just yeah it's like, just I'm, exhausting i'm ready it is yeah. like you're up here for ever yeah and it's like it's a lot of pressure you know? <laughs> and it would be nice to not not have that when when he retires and then him and manu are going to leave at the same time yeah tony probably stick around for a couple more years well that's and why they need you as the point guard that's why Sorry. they need they need me <laughs> they'll be you know whatever 48 52 win team during that time and make the playoffs second round but that'll be you know it'll be whatever have what, you, ha- wait what did you feel um when the oilers left town I wasn't in Houston at the time, so I didn't. But you were, you were uh, care too much. You were an Oilers fan, or like, what did you grow up? Uh, what with, what with football, football with you? I didn't really have a football team until the Texans showed up. I mean, I was watching football. My dad was a big Cowboys, Cowboys fan. fan. Yeah, my mom was a Redskins fan just because they were not the Cowboys. <laughs> so I was like stuck between there, or whatever. Seems a little bit like Cowboys yeah. and Indians. Like I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, uh, so I was like, well, I'm gonna side with my mom on this one. Like, Redskins. I got Redskins the year they won the Super Bowl. I had it shaved into my head. The barbershop Redskins in the back, like ninety one. Yeah, 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 Mark Rippin. Before and this was before, like I called the shot before they played in the game. I got it. In. Wow. Yeah. And uh, by the way, thank God they yeah. won. Yeah. <laughs> For real, bald head yeah. forever. So uh, yeah, I didn't care too much about what team was winning or, or not winning until I was in Houston when the Texans franchise started, and I was like, now I got to Yeah. Now mm. I have a football team. Sure. Um, do you have any tattoos? Of seven tattoos. Seven. You? Seven. I was getting all of the members of the Wu Tang Clan, and it hurt too much to get the last two. I was like, "Fuck you, you guys! Like, you don't get any spot." No, I don't have any tattoos. Eric has every MLB logo. <laughs> no, we like to say that ta- there's two things that are forever: tattoos and regret. So mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, have you ever spoken to to Bill Simmons about like? success on that level in terms of like sports franchises like clearly the patriots are you know the the standard bearer and (laughs) and he's you know he wrote a whole book on you know what it's like to sort of deal with the red sox not Mm -hmm. and then they become just dominant dominant yeah do you have you spoken with him about like you guys being the basketball version of that uh no not really (laughs) no have you spoken to bill simmons (laughs) never not once no we've talked a few times have you played um, basketball with him? I haven't. We mostly, when I see him, it's like I, we were either in the office or getting drinks afterward, type of hanging out. Sort yeah. Of, sort of yeah. Situation. He's the nicest guy. Yeah. You hear all these rumors. I, I remember reading about how crazy he was on the internet from uh, whatever people. Yeah, blind so, items put out by ESPN. Yeah. And, I, and so you meet him, and I'm expecting him to be like an asshole. Yeah. Or whatever. And he's the nicest, most supportive person. As far as a boss goes, like, 
Like he was your guy. He, this is the sort of thing that happened. The, again, I had never been in a situation like this. Um, we're talking about you're at the top level now. Yep. And this is probably the most famous writer in the country. Definitely the most famous sports writer. Yeah. And he just is like, yo, welcome to Grandland. I'm glad you're here. All I want you to do is worry about writing. That's all you have to do. Don't worry about traffic. Don't worry about criticism from anybody else. Like, Just do whatever work you want to do, and I'm going to take care of every single thing else. What do you need for this to happen? Like, And you're hearing it from this guy who's supposed to be this tyrant, and, and it's this, uh, like you're saying, is this a front? Is it, and then for two years, that's all it's ever been. And he'll just pop up every once in a while and say some real nice stuff to you and then disappear and like pop up and tell you a thing you wrote six months ago was really good. Try to do, you know, yeah, just the nicest guy. That's very special. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And that's why you talk to anybody who was at Grantland and they're just devoted to him. Like, that's just. Yeah. Um, where were you when you found out that Grantland was closing? Was it sitting in my backyard? <laughs> yeah. Did, were you on that phone call with? Oh, I you were, uh, say, were you on the playground that you had <laughs> this, the swing set? No, were you on the phone call with Chris Connolly when he when he told everyone? Yeah, I think everybody was on the on the phone call. Mm-hmm. It was and like, and what did you think the future held for you? I thought I was sad that it was happening. I think at that point we, everyone was sort of anticipating it was going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. We're just waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And so when we got the message, hey, be on the phone at this time. Okay, this is probably when it's going down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't thinking too much uh, about anything at the time. More than anything else, I was worried about. I knew all the writers are under contract. Mm-hmm. And Including you? Yeah. You're yeah. an ESPN employee? Yeah. Okay. And so, and there were some people who weren't under contract. And so I was like, well, what's going to happen with these, with these guys? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, I could have gone back to teaching the next day. I sure. have a really good relationship with the school that I was at. And I'm eventually going to go back there. At some point, you know, that's just where I need to be. And uh, Would you teach criminal justice? No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was like, you know, you're sad that it's gone, but you you understand. And I can't be anything other than grateful to, to anybody who gave me that chance. Like, again, it changed everything about my life. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting right here without Grantland, so. Yeah. And what does 2016 hold for you? To, oh, I don't know. Do you have another book in the works? I do. Oh, awesome. Yeah. What's do you can you talk about what it's gonna be? It's a basketball book. Dope. Yeah. Oh my god, are you doing the Bill Simmons book? <laughs> Part two. I'm to, <laughs> I'm a, yeah, it's gonna be a basketball thing and we've just now got a, all this stuff situated. Do you have the same editor is Samantha editing this mm-hmm. too? So she has the same interests as you then? Or not, is she not Okay. Really, really. You don't need that? Like but do you, but do you need me good. to write an excerpt again? I do. <laughs> yeah. that's, all, that's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank sure. God. <laughs> Um, so wait, so uh, you did that reading at um, at Housing Works, and what you did was um, you had a bunch of writers on stage with you who had contributed to the book, and you asked us to basically because your the way the, that your book works is that you have you chose your the the best song from every year, most important, song. most most important song. Excuse me, right? And then you asked a bunch of your writer friends to choose their own what they think is the most influential song. Mm-hmm. And so John Caramanica has like what LL Cool J, right? Um, and everybody like you know, on stage we we were supposed to argue our points. So there were probably five other writers. Every single person argues their point, and you immediately give up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, I come in the last one. I'm feeling. Re- I come in real hot. I'm like, 
you had chosen uh, Macklemore, Same Love. Right, right. And I did uh, Juicy J. Bands Make a Dance. Bands Make a Dance, yeah. 2014? 12. 12. Okay. Um, I come in real hot. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even have to worry because like Macklemore is so awful. Like, what do I have to, you know, really like talk about here? And immediately lose. Like, I, 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 <laughs> I was the only one to do terribly. Um, I just want you to to tell me like, is Macklemore better than? Uh, is Macklemore more influential? You think still? No. Than, okay. <laughs> As a rapper, no. Why couldn't you say that on stage? <laughs> but as a song, you can't argue with what Same Love did, what it wanted to do. Um, at that, at that, you also did a signing there, mm-hmm. and the line went crazy long and everything. Did everyone ask you to do personal inscriptions, or did you get to decide what you wrote, or how'd that work? Some of them would ask, okay. can you write this? Or that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you write fuck J. Cole on there? Like, mm-hmm. and, really? and would you? <laughs> yeah. Whatever they, me, whatever they told me to write. Some of them would say, just quote a song or whatever. All right, I, I could do that. Like, I, I know a lot of songs. But you'll be back in New York at some point. Um, we'll tell everyone to line up, Yeah. right? Greet yes. you at the airport. Applause. And yeah. Wait, while you've been here, have you visited the club where Tony Parker got glass in his eye or no? I did. I laid, okay. I have a dozen white roses I laid them on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> the doorstep of the club. <laughs> I just saw that Eva Longoria is engaged to some other dude now. So, wow. Yeah. Just he's going to be playing out of hurt though now. Such, such a different time. Yeah. He's about to average 40 points per game. In a yeah. <laughs> Yo, Shea Serrano, thank you so much for coming through. All right. All right. Hey, Jeff, not a bad year in 2015. Well, not for us, no. <laughs> if anybody is interested in listening to Waste of Time with It's The Real, go subscribe on, on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you want to find us online, we're available. Yeah, I mean, we're around. Go find us at Twitter at It's The Real, Instagram at It's The Real, on Snapchat at It's It's The Real, and It's The Real Eric, because It's The Real was taken. And uh, yeah, we're generally around. Please come say hi, and uh, Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs>